Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I have a very supportive wife and two children, and they don't really care about what work hardship I might have just endured. It can be frustrating, and certainly the last few years have been very frustrating because of all the lying. Beyond that, I go home and my my kids are completely in kid land. And my wife is in their world and also what she does. And so the perspective is always there. The perspective of, that's great that you're on TV, but um, we have a Spanish test to study for. That's important. And that's really helpful because it's much more important in the minds of the people who I love so much. Welcome to the latest episode of Just Getting Started. My good friend Jake Tapper, who's got a new book out called The Devil May Dance, is today's guest. How are you, Jake Tapper? I'm good, my friend. People should know that that's not just showbiz BS. No. You and I have a genuine love and affection for one another. I see you and I'm like... That is true. I really I really am crazy about you. I really, I really think you're a wonderful guy. I really do. It's true. I've... And we go way back. We do. To the 90s. This podcast is about origin stories, and I guess we should start with ours in a way. Was it was it the late 90s when a mutual friend, my fellow sports center anchor at the time, Brett Haber, got us all together uh, one night in Washington, D.C.? Is that is that when that was? It feels like it was. I think so. I feel like I wrote for Washington City Paper at the time. Is that possible? When were you with Salon.com? 99 to 2002 ish. That's it. That's it. That's it. But I, but I mean, met. like, you were so far. I don't even know what event we were at. Brett's a. Yeah, I don't remember either. A college classmate of mine. And I was friends with him and, and uh, his, his lovely now ex wife, Jennifer, a uh, great woman. And you were so funny that night. They had these, like, fried potato things at this event. Right. And you kept calling them latkes, like mispronunciation of latkes. I think you had a girlfriend at the time, or, or you didn't have a wife, did you? Uh, not in the late 90s, no. Not in the late 90s. You were helping me meet a girl named Tammy that I ended up dating briefly, but you, you, were, help, you were assisting. You were, you were like the best wingman a guy could have. You, were, you literally were trying to make her laugh and get her to, to talk to me. Do you remember that? I do remember that, you know, and it was a, a heck of a night, and I had no idea that it actually worked out even in the slightest way for you, Jake. <laughs> for, for me, it did. For, for poor Tammy, we can't we can't say that's true. Uh, she got she got the fuzzy end of the lollipop on that one, but but uh, but for me, it did. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. So that's our origin story, and then and then we kind of kept in brief touch, and then. I think we reacquainted ourselves through a charity event we do every year, the Big Slick. Yeah, in Kansas City. What a yes, that is when we we did kind of reconnect in person, 
in Kansas City. Yeah, we emailed. We we emailed, but it was the first time. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess before we get into um, your actual professional origin story, I think I need to point out for or have you at least point out for those who watch this podcast on uh, yeah. on my YouTube stream on the Rich Eisen Show YouTube stream. Uh, what in the hell is happening to your office <laughs> behind you for such a successful man um, that is, yeah. I, I mean, there's like a coat rack, a small little, that looks like a, um, that you put together yourself, a little, little, it's little not, rack. It's not good. A mini fridge. There's nothing good happening. Are those supplements next to an empty coffee can behind you right there? It's a, it's a, it's protein. It's protein for a protein shake. Okay. I do have protein shakes. That's the, um, our friend, uh, our mutual friend, Paul Rudd. Uh, when I was trying to lose weight, he put me on the uh, the diet that he went on uh, to get an Ant Man shape, um, and and part of that is uh, two protein shakes uh, late morning and and late afternoon. You're in the like there's a TB12 system in in the National Football League. You're on the you're on the you're on the PR Ant Man the Paul Rudd Ant Man system well yeah i mean like if he's i'm you know i'm more like a kind of like a uh like a cockroach maybe like if he's the <laughs> ant man i'm i'm i'm, I, I'm not as I, I will say i'm not as devoted or dedicated right to it like i'm really good on the on the paul rudd diet until you know like 7 p.m right which is not that's not really how diets work no anyway <laughs> um so um uh, but no they're doing construction Yes. Uh, on the my entire floor mm -hmm. uh, of CNN. So I came in after they let us come back into the offices and all my stuff's in boxes. These, these aren't even, you see these boxes right here? These aren't even yeah. boxes of my stuff. This is somebody else's stuff. Are those so just anyway, ties? Like, are the, like, are you saying that the those ties are your ties? Are mine. Yeah, the ties okay. are for mine. I got jackets right. over here. Um, but normally there's a little bit more rhyme and reason in the, in the tie rack is you know it's everything's in storage i don't know what's going on and i don't know when i'm getting anything back and i have no control over everything but i do have ties and shirts and you've got this book how about that for a segue there we go i got the uh the devil may dance right here um for for everybody you've got oh you have a copy too you know and i want to get to that in a minute but i want your origin story first how how did you start how did you get started jake tapper how does somebody get to be on the career path that you are still following. You know, it's so funny. So, okay. So I'm a, we're going to talk about my origin story as a journalist, not as a, an author. Cause uh, my full, right. Because I, a full time, I'm a, I'm a journalist. No, I mean, we'll get to that because you, you're clearly what you're doing, I guess your day job, your night job or whatever, that is, it's, it's something that you love to do, but you're also trying else something new as well, which I'd want to delve into that. But before we get to all of that as a, as an author, yes. Okay. How did you, how did you start? The truth of the matter is that it's kind of odd that I didn't think about going into journalism until my mid twenties, because it was part of my life from the very beginning. I am actually named after my dad's great uncle who was a managing editor at the Chicago sun times. And I did like a, like a newspaper for our neighborhood when I was a kid and I was editor of the school paper in high school and all this stuff. But then I just had no interest in it. I guess when I went to college, I started, I wanted to be a cartoonist. Long story short, I end up in my mid twenties having no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And I was on a ski trip with some friends 
And one of the friends was holding a copy of the New Republic magazine, which in the 90s was just like it was the hottest, coolest, and most interesting. Like Michael Lewis wrote for them. It was just a great magazine. And there was a story in there by uh, a couple guys that my friends knew. And it was like a light bulb going off. Like, oh, my God, like actual people that we know just like come up with ideas and write freelance stories in magazines. And, and it was just like a, a revelation to me. And I started doing freelance writing for anyone that would publish me. Anyone. The Dartmouth Alumni Magazine. I pitched something to Entertainment Weekly. And just like I just, I didn't know enough to not be as bold as I was and just pitching and pitching and pitching. Anyway, a few years later, I had a ton of clips and Washington City Paper hired me. And from there, it was just a matter of Washington City Paper to Salon. I would, then when I was at Salon, I started doing some TV stuff here and there for CNN and others. And then I really kind of got the bug, the TV thing. I was doing freelance writing, but I went to start learning about TV. Eventually, I put together a reel. And then I went to ABC News. That was a whole sink or swim environment, but I was there for nine years and then worked my way up to CNN offering me my own show to anchor, and I came here in 2013. What do you mean by sink or swim, Jake? What do you mean by that? Oh well, just ABC News was tough. It was just it was just a it was a very competitive environment. There were very few minutes in the day. You were just constantly competing with other journalists to get on air. It wasn't like here's ten reporters and like we you know there wasn't some benevolent leader saying and we're going to make sure everybody gets on air three times a week. <laughs> you yes. know, it was it was right. It was like it was like a a newsroom, imagine a, a newsroom of a newspaper, but it's only one page a day, right? And it was that kind of thing. And like, you're just, comp you know, constantly competing. I wasn't the prettiest and I wasn't the sharpest broadcaster. And I wasn't, uh, the only thing I could do is pitch the best ideas and break them up and break the, the most stories. And that's it. I mean, that's, it, it was just based on work ethic because it couldn't be based on, I mean, there were people that were much smoother on television. There were people that were like, you know, underwear model, good looking. And then there was me. And all I could do was work the hardest, pitch the most creative ideas, break stories. And so that's what I did. And it worked. Was that when, was Peter Jennings still there? I mean, was that- Peter uh, Jennings was there. Yep. What was he like? When I started at ABC News, yeah, it was just, I mean, it was, it was Diane Sawyer and Charlie Gibson in the morning. Right. Robin Roberts did the news. Peter Jennings in the evening- and Ted Koppel doing Nightline at night at 11.30. And, um, you know, it was a dream, and I was with giants of the industry. And, you know, they're all retired or, or in Peter's case, uh, passed away. Uh, I think as Diane's in semi-retirement, she still does pieces for ABC News every now and then. It still does specials. But, I mean, it was just a very competitive place. Yeah, I know. I, I remember when I first got to ESPN, Robin Roberts was there. Two, she was on the the early evening sports center, and I was just so taken aback that I was thrown in the midst of all of these people who I watched on television. Yeah. And trying to figure out my own way at that point in time was pretty damn daunting. I mean, I didn't have to work to get on the I mean, I, I was scheduled to do Sports Center. I didn't have to like what you're talking about kind of have to sing for your supper to get on the air because there were so many people just trying to get on one show in a way. 
you know, and I'm, I'm wondering if how pressurized that must have been for you at the time. Well, I mean, think about it. I mean, for, um, first of all, we, we should say, I guess your, your viewers and listeners know your origin story, but I mean, like you were there at a time, it was Keith Olbermann, Craig Kilborn. I mean, just Dan Patrick giants. Right. Well, it's similar to what you're talking about arriving at ABC news. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, that was in that regard. But those were not the people I'm, I was listening were not my peers. They were, you know, they were the anchors. I was just a sure. correspondent. But it was it was it was real sink or swim, and you know when you're when you're starting your career, you're an anchor now. I'm an anchor now. We're not worried about getting on air. We have our shows. We're we're worried about making them as as good as possible. But we're not worried about getting on air. But when you are a correspondent, getting on air is like oxygen. And when you're not on air, you're like a fish thrown on the boat, and like you're just like I need. I guess it's the opposite now. I switched to a oxygen metaphor now no, I'm it's all good I, I'm but anyway, you need sorry no it's all good metaphors i like it the opposite metaphor now but my point is like you're flailing because you're not getting on air what is your worth and yeah and it was very very competitive and and, and look also like some very very tough executive producers and anchors and senior producers and others i mean some that were just absolutely lovely and took a chance with me the very the very first person to take a chance with me at abc news other than the people who hired me was uh with diane sawyer and shelly ross who was the then legendary producer executive producer of good morning america and they put me on air and again it was just work ethic i can tell you exactly what happened my big break at abc news because you get hired by abc news that doesn't mean you're going to succeed at abc news and i saw lots of really good talented smart people get hired by abc news and just thrown in the shark tank and like, you just never saw them again. And then three years later, the contract was over and you'd hear that they were going to someplace else. But I, what happened was I was, um, I, I was on email and uh, Schwarzenegger was going on Leno. He announced that he was, this is 2003. He announced that he was going to run against Gray Davis, the governor of California. He was going to run against him in the recall election. Y'all are having one of those, out there, some of the same candidates, Mary Carey, God bless her. Anyway, I know that's your, I know that's your favorite. I know you've, I know you've maxed out. Yes. If you know what I mean? Hey, now Cinemaxed out. Yes. I understand what you're saying. You've, yes. Yes. That's what I call them. Anyway, sorry. I'll yes. keep it clean for the kids. So anyway, Schwarzenegger was right. So the, the transcript comes out at like, I don't even know, seven o'clock, eight o'clock before it airs at 1130. This is a different era uh, of, this priest, people don't even, the kids listening, this, uh, there were, the internet existed, but there were no smartphones, no Facebook, no Twitter. It was basically just email and websites were, was, was how you got information. So I immediately pitched myself to uh, Shelly and Diane and, and their team. I knew enough. I was pitch. I've been pitching stories for months, having less and less uh, success, but pitching them. Anyway, I was just like, oh, here's an idea. Schwarzenegger's running. Let me do a piece about this, and I will incorporate classic Schwarzenegger film lines in this piece. <laughs> I don't. Even, I don't even, this exists somewhere. Yes, but I don't even think that was. I don't even think the pitch was it. I think it was just the fact that anybody was pitching this to them. That anybody was like, "This just happened. I want to be on air. I want to tell the story. Let me tell the story. I'm here. I'll work through the night. You know, I'm ready." And I, I always tell young people, like. You have to have something that they want. Nobody's going to give you a job to be nice. 
You have to have something that you, that they want. And it might just be that you're willing to get up at two in the morning and do whatever the hell, you, you know what I mean? It might just be work ethic. Sure. That's what I offered. That became that just, I started doing story after story after story. And the next thing I knew I was living at the standard in LA and, and covering the, the recall for good morning America. And now here you are obviously all these years later. So just before we move on and then we'll get to your book. Um, so obviously the Schwarzenegger total recall, that was an easy one. What else did you work in? What else? I don't know. It, it was none of my favorites. It was none of the, you know, Aldi Hauser. If you're watching this, you have a towel wrapped around your head and Cohagen on your ass. Probably that probably didn't. I can't, I don't know how to work that know, one in. Yeah, I don't know. It's not exactly. a tumor. It's right. It's not a tumor. Okay, so you got a kindergarten top twin. twins might be something you could work in. I'm just trying to see. Obviously, you know, Schwarzenegger with an act winning a recall. That's a I'm sure I'll be back with part one. of it. I don't know. I'm not saying this was not an audition for the Algonquin Roundtable. <laughs> okay. This was, I'm not saying that these are bonbons that I want on my mausoleum someday. All right. I was just saying, I don't think yes. this was, I, this wasn't Isaac Newton. Yes. My point was not that this yes. was a brilliant idea. It was just like, I was just like, what do you want me to do? I'm here. I'll do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, man. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening, wherever you listen. All right, so let's get to uh, some here and now. This book that you have written, yeah. okay, "The Devil May Dance." Uh, this is your second novel. And My second novel, but the first one I ever, I first one I wrote that I thought, you know, I think Rich would really like this novel. Well, I mean, you know, I I, I read your first novel as well. I know, but and 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 you were very nice and complimentary and supportive, of course. But you are a Sinatra fan. Yes. So you this are is a Frank Sinatra fan. This is directly. This I should is hold all up. About Sinatra. I should hold yeah. up the front. This is going to be my reading when I actually have time in June, because that's what I, I I will. You know, I guess that's life. Uh, riding high in April, shot down in May. But you know, nice. I'm sort of you know that's that's what I'm saying. I know I'm going to change that tune when I'm when I'm back in June, which is when I'm going to read nice. this. Thank you very like much. It. That is my karaoke go-to right there. So, but you are honestly, if everyone I know, yes, and I, you know, I'm not. Uh, you know this. You know a lot of people. You know a lot of people. I mean, Paul Rudd gave you supplements for crying out loud. You know, no, I mean, but, but but he did actually recommend that brand. Um, but <laughs> but but the no, but of all the people I know, and you know that I am as. Just as insecure as the next person, you you know that's you're true. being you very self-effacing. No, no, it's no, you know that's true. Okay. I'm very, but you are the only person mm. about whom I would say, I know you're going to love this book. I know I am so confident you're going to love this book because you love Sinatra, you love the Kennedys, you love you love that era, and also just because you're a supportive friend, you're coming to the table expecting 
like with all of your heart, all of your nachas is going to pour into the reading of this book. All of your nachas. And I love the Manchurian candidate, and I can't believe that that's a, that is a crucial part of the it plot is. points of this novel. So I mean, like you, you're 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 nailing all of the touch points for me. It's all your sweet spots. It is all. If, if, like, if your wife was a character in the book, then that would be, and your kids, that would be the end of it. But, but I mean, it wouldn't make any sense because it takes place in 1962. I know that. I know. I can't. I can't wait to read it. So I guess my question for you is why? Why do you do this? Why do you want to write a novel? Why do you want to do this now twice? What? Why? Not only do I want to write a novel, I want you to write a book, and I've pitched you your own book. I've told you this is what you wrote. So anyway. I know you have. No, I know. And, and that's why it's you're such a, a great bestseller. friend. I know. Everybody's going to read it. I know. I'm too busy doing I'm too busy doing stuff like this. That's why I can't understand how you have time. How you cover, you cover like the election of our lifetimes. You are all yeah, over. Yeah, but then it's the, over. I, well, but, but I don't know ish. how you do that. Like I'm, co- I'm covering an NFL season and then doing this podcast and then, you know, I have three kids. I mean, you're a dad well, of two. That, that's I mean, what it is. This I is only third, have two. Is that right? I only, so, have, I only have two kids. This is your it's, third baby right here, right? <laughs> There's your third baby. The, I, the only thing I can say is, first of all, people like you and I, and probably a lot of your, your listeners and viewers, you know, we're, we're, we're a little type A. We're, you know, we're very driven. We're very, very driven people. And I really, I really like writing. And um, now I'm doing journalism and I love journalism. But I also love writing, and it brings me joy. And it also is a welcome escape for me from the nonstop nastiness, death, and destruction that I've been covering for the last period of time. So it's enjoyable for me. This was fun because I, what inspired the book was a story that you're probably familiar with, which is in 1960... Sinatra and the Rat Pack work their hearts out for President Kennedy, Senator Kennedy, to get elected president. And Sinatra, who is a friend of the president, uh, then expects that John F. Kennedy, President Kennedy, will stay with him when he comes and visits out by your way at some point during his presidency. Sinatra, this is he has an estate in Rancho Mirage at this point. It's not the later estate he has in Palm Springs. It says Rancho Mirage, he calls it the compound, and he starts to build it up. This is a real story. This is not my fiction. Uh, builds rooms, installs telephone lines, has a, te- has a helipad built so that President Kennedy can stay with him. And at the same time, Attorney General Robert Kennedy is investigating organized crime, and it becomes pretty apparent to him that Sinatra is friends with a lot of the people he's investigating, namely Sam Giancana but also Johnny, handsome Johnny Roselli from Los Angeles and others. So this becomes a, a decision that Robert Kennedy has to make. Do I piss off Frank Sinatra, one of the biggest stars in the world who helped my brother get elected, or do I let my brother stay at a place where mobsters frequent? And that's the premise and inspiration for the book I have. In my book, Attorney General Kennedy basically blackmails Charlie and Margaret, the heroes of my first book, to go out and investigate to see if Sinatra's really mobbed up. And the and the premise is that Charlie is a World War II hero and a politician. He's a congressman. So he'll be a consultant on the Manchurian candidate, which they're filming right at that point. So 
sold, right? No, I like, it, of course. Good. I'm I'm look, again, the Hellfire Club was so phenomenal. And this I can't I honestly, and I'm not just saying it because you're a friend and a guest and all of that stuff, and I do love you. I cannot wait to, you know, crack this book and I hope to have like a week's time to just do nothing but just curl up with Jake Tapper in writing style and and um and you'll finish and, it in, in you'll finish it in a weekend. But beyond that, let me also say I would like to curl up with you. Thank you. But that's a separate, that's a, but, that, but that's but that's a separate issue. <sighs> Do like you, a spooner. So do you? That's what I'm saying. It's like I, I, I and don't, I can be the front spooner, the back spooner. I am, I am, I am totally in awe, Jake, because I know what you must be, what you must go through to do your show every day, and then go home and put it aside to just be a dad and a husband, and then put that aside to be a novelist. I cannot fathom the the brain equity it requires and discipline it must require. Did you ever have a point where like? I am not writing today. I just don't have it in me. Like I just, I, I can't, I'm going to put it down. I'm going to stop because that could be obviously a death blow because you have to keep going to keep writing. A book not like this, because of energy. There were times that I wrote myself into a corner that, uh, in terms of the plot that I thought, Oh fuck, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. Um, and, and I took a few days to like, you know, marinate. But the there problem. wasn't like, you know, an attack on the Capitol that took you, I guess you were finished writing at Book that point done. in time. Right. Yeah. So when did you finish this during the election? During the actual election? When did you finish it? When did you send in your last pages and it was locked? I your... think last summer, at the end of last summer. No. Uh, yeah. Labor Day. Okay. By Labor Day. It was done. Jeez, but also, let me just add, like, yes, I had the presidential election to cover and my, my day job is, is busy and all that. But last year... Uh, from April to August, I was broadcasting from home. So that's an hour and a half commute that you don't have. Also, you know this, when you're in the office, how much of your time is wasted because people are popping in your office, talking to you? Right. I had none. I mean, it's not wasted. It's, you know, it's lovely. No, I understand what you're saying. Yes. But, but time that that's, you could spend doing other things. Also, in a normal election year, I'd be traveling all over the place. Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, battleground state, battleground state, debate. Last year, uh, after the pandemic hit, I, I, made, I did two trips the whole year for work. Two. One time we flew to Michigan to interview Biden. And another time after he won, I drove to Wilmington to interview him and Vice President Harris. But so I, I, the truth is, in 2020... I had a lot more openings in my calendar than I normally would. Interesting. Oh, man. And now you're back in the office and they stick you in a closet. I don't know what's going on with them, man. I, I don't understand. I, I would uh... I feel like groundskeeper Willie is going to show up with a giant mop. <laughs> Do you have uh, already a third novel idea picked out or you just got to tap out? I have a time? setting. I have oh, a third God. novel setting. So the first book is in the is in the 50s. This book, uh, The Devil May Dance, is in the 60s. So I think I'm going to do the 70s. And my publisher is eager for me to maybe, uh, I think I'm going to do Charlie and Margaret's son. He has, they have two kids, uh, Lucy and Dwight. I think Dwight, who will be 18, 19 in the mid-70s, might be a fun main character to have 
because Charlie and Margaret are like, I mean, Charlie's troubled, but he's a, they're good people, but maybe I could do something of a, kind of like a badass, kind of like an anti-hero. I don't know. That might be fun. So the you're disco all, era. You're or a disco. That's what I was asking. What, what 70s? Mid 70s? Like a Dis- B- disco. Bee Gees yeah. disco. The Carters roll into town. Everything's crazy. <laughs> Studio 54. And then the chief of staff is rumored to be doing lines in the studio 54. That happened. And And he denies it. I should note. You should, you should note that. Okay. Very good. The late great Ham Jordan. But I'm just saying like, it's kind of a wild time. So I guess putting this all to bed, what advice would you give to somebody if they like me saying, I don't know if I have time for that. I mean, honestly, uh, you have given me an idea for a book. It would require... No, it, it's no. your stories. They're your stories. I'm just saying put them in a book. No, I They're know that. They're your stories. I've already done a book, Jake, and it was a book about the launch of NFL Network, and it took so much out of me. And so, like what you're doing right now, like coming on this pod, and, you know, and I understand you know, we're friends or whatever, but you just finished you know, two hours of your show. And now you're sitting in your in your office uh, right. for the moment, and in my what? In your office, uh, and, you know it's air quotes. Um, but you're, if, but what would selling, you do if somebody came, if somebody came in right now yeah, and just yes. picked up a giant thing of toilet paper and just <laughs> would it surprise you? No, it would not. Um, it would so not. So two things, three things. I'm going to answer your question. First of all, people should know the book. That I tried to uh, that I that you and I talked about. Yes. You tell these great stories about athletes, yes. uplifting stories, yes. amazing stories, amazing uplifting stories. And I just said, just like get twelve of them, put them in a book, bang. Right. It's an the, the amount of research that re- is required, and for me to it. find the it. time to do all of that, I don't. I understand. You can hire a researcher, by the way. I okay. mean that that is allowed. Anyway, moving on from that. Yes. Okay. Two, my advice in terms of time allocation and and making yourself right is you have to commit to yourself the same way you commit uh, when you lose weight uh, or when you go on a diet or when you get fit or whatever you commit. I'm going to five days a week, I'm going to hit the Peloton or whatever. Five days a week, I'm going to run. And you just, you have to make that promise to yourself. And my promise is when I write um, and I'm not writing right now, uh, but when I'm in a writing zone, I'm going to write every day for 15 minutes. That's it for 15 minutes. Cause everybody can find 15 minutes in their schedule, breakfast, lunch, dinner, right before you go to bed, whatever you can find 15 minutes. If you commute, you know, on the subway or, or whatever, you just bring your laptop with you 15 minutes. So that's doable. And if that's all you do at the end of the week, that's an hour, 45 minutes. That's four pages. That's, that's not nothing. That's good. So that's how I do it. And then the third thing is, I would say, um, I outline a book before I write it. And I think that really helps uh, in terms of getting me, because it's like, okay, what am I writing now? Oh, I have to write this chapter where these five things happen. That really helps me. Now, some people write differently. Some people are, are uh, George R.R. R. Martin from Game of Thrones. He has this thing called a, uh, you're either a gardener or an architect. Gardeners just kind of go out and plant and see what happens. And I'm definitely an architect. I have the plans. For me, that's very helpful because I have this outline and I just follow it. And then 
another another writing tip that I read from somebody, uh, a legendary writer for The Simpsons. He did just did a Q and A in the New Yorker that was fantastic. And his whole thing is, get the script done first, even if it's crap, and then you can go and rewrite it and make it good. But the main thing is to have the structure. So I, those are the tips that have always worked for me. Damn man. But I, I think that's it's it's sound advice just in anything. It just doesn't have to be writing that if you give 10, 15 minutes of your day to something else, whether even if it's charitable work, whether it's something else yeah. that, that can actually enlighten your life or enrich it in a way that makes you feel like you're doing something, that's that's some sound advice. And I, I, I do have like this is a legit question. And I, I don't know, I think I may have asked you this like on the back of a bus. Heading to uh, you know the big slick <laughs> celebrity. Uh, Once again, the big that's, slick. Uh, that's virtual. where we. That's where we. That's where we. We had this conversation about the book. I, I'll ask you this: It shouldn't be virtual, and you and I should. I mean, that's not for me. No, to I know. Judge we knock on wood. will I really we'll look forward soon. to seeing you next year. Exactly. So, last one. Last thing for you is how you know because I I deal with this a lot, and I'm sure a lot of people deal with it in their jobs as well where they, they do hear bullshit. They hear it. They know it. They could smell it. It's coming their way. I get spun all the time on my show. I know somebody, you know, it's, it's not life or death. It is sports, although it's very serious for a lot of people. People get killed in sports. How do you how do you deal with that when you know in politics you're being spun? doesn't matter what side of the aisle it is. And then you go home. I, sometimes I'll text you after a Sunday because I, I, I'm, I'm on the air on a Sunday morning on foot on my football Sundays and my Twitter feed is filled with what goes on in the Sunday morning shows. And I do see your back and forths, uh, in my Twitter feed. And I think to myself, my God, you know, um, how, how, when you go home, do you, do you sit, do you decompress? What do you, what do you do? How do you, how do you deal with that after you deal with a, that high wire act on live television, Jake? Well, I, I think it's probably very similar to you, which is I have a very supportive wife and two children, and they don't really care about what work hardship I might have just endured. Because as you note, it's not like I'm going through the pain. It's, it's, I'm having an interview or I'm trying to get somebody to admit something or whatever, but it's not, it's not, it can be frustrating. And, and certainly the last few years have been very frustrating because of all the lying. But beyond that, I go home and my, you know, my kids are completely in kid land. And my wife is in their world and also, you know, what she does and dealing with her family members or whatever. And and so it, it the perspective is always there. The perspective of that's great that you're on TV, but, um, you know, we have a we have a, a Spanish test to study for, you know, that's important. And that's really helpful because it's much more important in the minds of the, these people who I love so much. And so, and TV, as you know, the other thing about TV is it's ephemeral and we all get to try again tomorrow. Like, so if I have a bad day or I mess up or whatever, or I do something not as well as I wish I had or, an interview doesn't go the way I, I wanted it to have. I get to try again tomorrow. So none of that stuff really matters all that much. It's my, what I cover matters, but my role in it doesn't. Right. And then I, I get upset when I see what people say about the way you handle your business. And I, I know you, and I'll say this, uh, 
you know, I, I know you, you are literally the straightest shooter I know. And you are somebody, I, I texted you uh, on occasion during uh, some of the most important stories of our lifetimes that you covered and you were there and the way you handled it. And I know that it just pisses me off when people think that you have an agenda and I, you, you are like the most agendaless person that I know. Jake and just even me even me Instagramming out reading your book you know the responses I get it pisses me off and you know I just wanted to say that for anybody that's out here right now watching or listening honestly I I I know you and there's so many people in this world certainly in the world of sports where you know you, you think you know somebody and you really don't I really do you're like one of the few people where I could swear that you are who you are and I know you're not somebody who I don't think you are. And um, I just kind of wanted to say that, you know. Well, you're very kind. And I am who I am, for better and for worse. And yeah, I mean, it it bums me out too. But by the same token, I mean, I know a lot of people have been, have had their brains broke in the last few years just by, by lying or the reactions to the lying. I mean, there was a great New York Times story by Ben Smith about, this crazy conspiracy theory that this poor guy on Jeopardy who had had won three episodes in a row of Jeopardy was doing like some sort of white supremacist sign. And he was not. And I mean, it just shows you that it's not, there is so much disinformation and misinformation and mistrust in this society where people just, there's this, you and I are of the Hebraic tradition. And, and there's a, and Michael Medved, the conservative radio host, taught me, a la- uh, one of the last times I did a show, he taught me this great concept in Judaism, which is Don Lakoff Zichud, or like in Yiddish, it would be, your, your, your Bobby would say, Don Lakoff Zichus, or something like that. But mm-hmm. in any case, the point is giving people the benefit of the doubt. That's, that's the whole notion. Giving somebody the benefit of the doubt. Does this person, should we really just assume that he's putting up a white supremacist sign on Jeopardy? Should we really run there? And like so much of social media and today's politics, it's like people just assuming the worst about everybody. Now, look, sometimes people prove themselves over time to not be worth the benefit of the doubt. And, 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 and that's okay. But I just feel like there's so little in our world uh, where people can give each other the benefit of the doubt. So the stuff that you talk about, and it's from the, I assume in your in your replies, it's it's from Trump supporters these days. But like during the Obama years, it would a lot of times it would be from Obama supporters would be attacking me. I, you know, I would be lying if I said it didn't. You know, on occasion, get me down um, because I think I'm really, I try to be a good person. I'm not saying I always succeed, but I try. I aspire. And I really do try to see the other side of arguments than from what the narrative is or whatever. Like, I don't automatically assume that this person is lying or this person's telling the truth or whatever. I I come to it just trying to find out what the facts are because I want my viewers to know what the facts are. And sometimes I succeed, sometimes I fail, but I'm always trying. So it does bum me out. Well, I, I am there for you. And as you know, a whole legion of people are there for you, certainly when we're supporting what you're doing. And this book that I'm holding up again for the podcast audience, The Devil May Dance, go get it where all books 
are sold, acquired online in a bookstore. You are the best, Jake Tapper. Thank you for doing this podcast. I really appreciate Rich, it. Rich, I love you. I'll talk to you soon, my friend. You bet. And we actually got through a conversation without the whole diehard thing being brought up. So um, you just brought it up. Well, you ex- just you just well, I guess brought in a way, up. I guess in a getaway, just to to wrap this up, you're somebody who says it's a Christmas movie. I'm or or and I say it is not. Um, I just on my own Instagram. Uh, the other night, there was a a, a little a big Jenga tower uh, that we we put together with my kids, and I just took a shot of it, you know, in in somewhat disarray. And I said it did look like a tower, and I I just basically said, "Welcome to the party, pal." Hashtag Nakatomi Jenga, and uh, only one person responded with uh, an emoji, and that would be you, Jake Tapper, a Christmas tree. So. <laughs> Technically, you were the last one who could not leave it alone. Oh, I saw it. I didn't didn't know Uh, that you saw my emoji. I did. I I actually hearted it, but that's okay. That's the way we communicate in this uh, 21st century sometimes. So you were the last one to not be able to leave it alone. And I guess now tag your it. Uh, Next time uh, you have me on anything or whatever, we'll we'll do that. (laughs) You take care, Jake. I'll talk to you soon. Clearly, I've known Jake for some time, and I'm so glad that many of you might, for the first time, have gotten a chance to meet the the man that you see on CNN, or you have a certain sense of what his takes in the world are, or what his uh, opinions are on the screen. And honestly, I I wanted to bring that up. And what drives me crazy these days is me bringing something like that up could be viewed as offensive to somebody. He is literally the least offensive guy I know. He's a religious man, a man of many talents. He is a dad. He is a husband. What you just heard, the most important role for him. And I just wanted to bring that up. And, you know, it's just interesting how you you meet people just on an off chance setting and you never know what sort of lifelong relationship or friendship that you may have. And he has brought up a book idea to me. He, he mentioned it here, uh, what what he th- thought or thinks is going to be a best-selling book. And I'll be honest with you, I, I just sometimes sit here and think to myself, I don't have time to do anything outside of what I'm attempting to do every single day in a day where things can go so fast and things in this world go so out of control. This podcast is about gaining control of your life and gaining control of what you can control or understanding that what you can't control should not make you feel like you've lost control, that everything that you want to do with your life is inside you. It is inside of you of what you want. And Jake is an inspiration in the fact that I can't imagine his day being crazier, busier, more filled with plans that you have to scrap because his day is so based on current events and current events change every minute these days. I can't imagine that he takes the time to actually write a book, research it and write a book. And it's so terrific and it's so well received. So I guess, you know, maybe I should put my nose to the grindstone a little more or all of us should be out there thinking, hey, Just when you think you have enough, you don't have enough time in the day, maybe you've got a little bit more time. And making sure that when your day is over, taking the extra 10, 15, 30 minutes out can change your outlook, can change what you can do for yourself. 
if you can do something for others with that time. The phone calls that I made and time that I made in March and April to make sure that I was able to run for St. Jude was a significant amount of time. And it takes a lot out of you, but maybe just maybe all of us should uh, take stock and find out if there is something extra that we can do for ourselves, for our mental state, for our, uh, for, our, for others in our lives. It's just uh, something to think of, that there's always time in the day for something that you think is important for your self-improvement or that for others. I just wanted to mention that. That's it for this episode of Just Getting Started. I want to thank Jake Tapper. Again, The Devil May Dance, where all books are sold. Go check it out. You will not be sorry. That's it for this episode. We'll see you next Wednesday on Just Getting Started.